everyone, and welcome to Deep Dive with Dr. Hines, a D47 podcast. This is a conversation-based podcast, a platform for open dialogue, meaningful conversations, and a deeper understanding of the incredible community that we have here in District 47, where we are all driven by one mission, empowering all students, learners today, leaders tomorrow. I'm Dr. Kathy Hines, superintendent of D47, and joining me today are Kristen Ziemba, Nikki Dindia, Sarah Goodlow, and Janet Sherseth. They're all behavioral coaches in District 47. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Can we start with each one of you introducing yourself and telling our listeners just a little bit about your role in the district and what inspired you to pursue a career in this field? Hello, this is Kristen Ziemba. This is my uh, 11th year in District 47 and my 25th year of teaching, so I guess I'm at the quarter century mark here. I started out in special education across the country, Oregon, Alaska, um, Arizona, and then I came back to my hometown in Crystal Lake 11 years ago and started as an LR teacher at Hussman. Uh, Six years after that, I applied and accepted the position of the SEL, Social Emotional Learning and Wellness Coordinator, which I have been doing in the district for the past five years until we created this new behavioral coaching position. What inspired me to get into the field work of behavior is I noticed as years went by, my caseload was becoming more and more behavioral focus versus academics. And I just developed a passion for working with kids and getting to know them outside of their academic field and getting to know them as a whole child. And that's what started my passion for behavior. My name is Sarah Goodlow. Before joining this team, I served in the role of a general education teacher primarily in fourth and fifth grade. Um, I supported a myriad of exceptionalities, both academically and behaviorally, as I've been an educator for over 20 years. In my previous district, I embedded SEL throughout the day to help all students achieve high standards. Building a connection with my students was of utmost importance to me, and I utilized my ability to do that and created lesson strategies and activities that supported their learning goals and maximized our time in the classroom. Over the last several years, the types of students we have in our classrooms have changed, and how we reach them needs to grow and change with them. We as educators need a larger toolbox to meet the needs of all of our students. That need is what inspired me to pursue this new role. I want to help teachers stock those tools and strategies, and I believe that it is so important that we work together to meet students where they are and strive to cultivate relationships with each other and our students. By being part of this behavioral team, we can work together to develop strategies, support students, and achieve the best possible outcome. Great. Thank you. Sure. This is Nikki Dindia here. Um, I began here in District 47 back in 2004, um, servicing our Adjusted Learning Program, where I remained there until about 2017. Uh, Then I spent five years at another district. Um, and their self-contained programs before returning back home here to D47 um, to spend some time in our CrossCAT and Aspire Junior program. Um, I've always enjoyed working with those students who forced me to think outside the box, which is why I've always had that passion for those self-contained programs. The bonus of being in those self-contained programs is you really get the opportunity to work with many other staff from outside agencies, such as BCBAs, Um, and other trainings. So I've attended so many trainings over the years targeted towards behavior and regulation and other sorts of tools to help support those students. So I chose this role because I feel like now with all those trainings and tools and um, experiences I've had in those self-contained classrooms, I can reach out to more students and staff 
And I'm so excited to work with the staff and students throughout the district and not just within one classroom at this time. So I'm excited to work with everybody. Hi, I'm Janet Sherseth, and this, well, if I wouldn't have taken a 16-year hiatus in the middle, this would be my 30th year of teaching or in the education field. And I really have found that the last seven years I've been in the middle school setting. I've taught everything from preschool through high school. So I have a wide range of experience, I guess, for lack of a better word. And I really have found over the years, and especially the last seven years, that building that relationship with students is the most important thing we can do. There's an adage that says, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that is almost my mantra, is I want my students and the kids around me and who I work with to know how much they mean to me. And that I expect a lot but I'm willing, I only expect what they can do. But I have high expectations for each of them. And I've built some amazing relationships along the way. I just finished my master's in educational leadership, which is what brought me to D47. This is my first year here. I came from District 300, and it really has been wonderful. This is pretty much my dream job. I wanna work with and help students who need us, that's really what it is. Their behavior is, is really exciting to me and helping them to understand so that we understand them more. So that's a little about me. Thank you, ladies. So being that this is the first year of the role, can you talk a little bit about why the need was there or why you feel that these roles were needed this year? Coming from the SEL position prior to this behavioral coach position and the ever-changing evolution of our student population and mental health needs, we are seeing an increase in the number of students who need targeted behavioral work and also classroom teachers who don't necessarily have all the skills or experience in replacing behaviors with more expected behaviors. So whereas a classroom teacher has this broad knowledge of reading, writing, math, and classroom management, we have a targeted focus, a narrowed focus on behaviors and replacing, um, replacing unexpected behaviors with more expected behaviors on a six-week cycle. What I want listeners to also know is that when you are putting in to place interventions to shape and change behavior, you have to think of, I call the Cheerios diet. It takes six weeks to lower your cholesterol. So it's gonna take six weeks for behavior, behaviors to change. And it takes coaching and patience and fidelity. Can one of you or all of you talk a little bit about how the behavioral coach position is different than social work? It's different than our other coaches. What your role actually is and what it isn't. Yes, I can answer that. This is Kristen. Um, our job is multifaceted in the sense that there's three different um, levels of what we do, and we have developed a flow chart that our building admin have access to and have been coached on how to access us as a team. We work with the district at the tier one level by providing professional development to staff and providing one-on-one -on -one coaching on classroom management. This is especially important for first-year teachers and for some of our program classroom teachers. The professional development is selected by building admin because every building is unique and has different needs. 
The coaching cycles are at the request of the admin, like I said, through the flow chart. And they request this coaching cycle when they have exhausted all the resources at the building level. So we're kind of that next level team that comes in. Compared to other coaches, we are not academic or curriculum based in our coaching. At tier three, we follow the social emotional needs and environmental factors of students by determining function of their behaviors. So the tier three access for us is individual student needs. Um, we follow the five castle competencies, which are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. And then again, at tier one, we focus on administrative requested PD around topics such as functions of behavior, integration supports, classroom tools for behavior management, etc. We also provide teacher coaching on classroom management, which is domain two of the Danielson framework. Thank you very much. And I know um, Janet and Sarah, I believe both of you talked about how kids are a little different now mm -hmm. than, than what they were and their needs that are presenting. Can you talk about some of the common behavioral challenges that our students are facing and strategies that you might uh, put in place to either help teachers or help them address those challenges? Behaviors have such a wide variety. It's hard, we can't put a cookie cutter response on all kids. So behaviors are perceived as challenging, quite often have different functions, which lead to different treatments. What's challenging to one may not be challenging to another. So we really have strategies that work for one, but that might not work for others. So we, we really put more of an individual basis on it versus a cookie cutter approach. Great. To that, when we talk about a student's behavior, anyone's behavior, actually, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. So we need to collaborate with people so that students have expectations of how they behave and how we respond across the board. So what does collaboration look like with our teachers, with families, other school staff to support that behavioral growth and skill development that we want to see in students? Sure, so once we've been requested for individual student support, we begin our coaching cycle, so it's about six weeks. The first couple weeks are for observations and relationship building with the student, the classroom, the teacher, um, and then we have a collaborative planning session with the teacher or the team that are working with the student. Um, we develop a goal that we're working on with our, our kiddo, and uh, we have a data tracking system that we're using to measure their progress. Um, and then we practice that I do, we do, you do model um, for implementation of that the collaborative planning session. Um, and then as we go through our process, weeks five and six are a gradual release from coaches to the teacher and the team and building independence with our plan that we set up. Um, and then we review that data and discuss our next steps. And then the lead, lead teacher can then communicate how that's working and they communicate that to the staff and then the parents as well. Great. Thank you. So in all of your work, um, you know, we talk a lot with our classroom teachers about the behaviors and the strategies we can use that are most impactful to learning. There must be some behaviors or skills that can be taught that are most impactful to success on a behavioral scale. What might um, the most impactful behavior to leading to student success be? So for the students, we find that the most 
impactful behaviors that students need for their success is their own motivation, confidence, work ethic, um, and self-regulation. Um, for the teachers, they need positive relationships, structure, routine, consistency, building those connections and engagement in their class activities. Quite a plateful. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it's, it's the first year again of it. I'm sure that there are certain um, some misconceptions of what people think you do and don't do and is there anything that you'd like to clarify or any rumors you'd like to, to dispel or misconceptions of what your role is or what it isn't so that people are clear? Uh, sure, this is Nikki. I can answer that. We unfortunately do not come with a magic wand. We don't have that magic wand that is going to come in your classroom and we're going to tap it and magically poof everything it's going to be better. Um, we wish we did, um, but unfortunately we don't. So really it is a collaborative plan that involves not just us, but the team that we're working with, the student that we're working with, staff, all of that, to really come up with a plan together and then follow that through with fidelity for at least four to six weeks to determine if it's successful or what changes need to be made and things like that. Unfortunately, we are not the solution. Um, I know sometimes people think just call the coaches in and they'll fix everything, but we're not the solution. Um, really, it is a team approach, and all players are responsible and necessary for the plan to be effective. But our big thing is like we're all on the same team, and we're all hoping for the same positive outcome, whether it's for student, classroom, or staff in general. That's what we're here for. So, great. And then you know, a question our staff might have, but even um, our families might have, is you know, we look at data for academics, and I would assume that we're also looking at data or some kind of data when we're talking about a student's behavior. So what do you look at? What kind of success criteria do you have um, to, to determine whether or not the strategies being taught and being put in place are being effective? I mean, data is the biggest piece of this whole puzzle, right? Because data will tell you so many things um, depending on what you're looking for, but it tells you the times, the locations. It can give you different sorts of triggers, um, preferred, non-preferred, things like that. Um, you need that data to really look at and determine what environmental changes can be made to help make that student more successful. Um, without that data, you're just guessing. And while we all try to make good guesses, that's not always the best way to go about that. So we have to have that data. Um, and really, we review it. We look at it. We look for patterns. We look for trends. We look for increases and decreases in um, expected and unexpected behaviors. Um, and really just want to try to see that increase in those replacement behaviors that we're trying to find for that child. Great. And I know from my years being in the district, working with Kristen and working with Nikki, on students in special education, um, all communication is communication of some kind. When they're, when, they're, when they're talking to us or when they're not talking to us, mm -hmm. when they're throwing things, when they're silent, it's all trying to get a need across to us. Um, when we look at the school environment, what does the school environment tell us or what changes do we need to look at or consider in the school environment to make it more accessible to more students or the students that um, have changed and have different needs right now? This is Kristen again, and this is a great question. And it's a topic that I'm very passionate about and it's called, it's a concept called niche construction. Um, 
it's a niche construction is a scientific word for a process in which organisms modify their environment to enhance their chances for survival. So you, I take that idea into social institutions and education and mental health issues in particular I, and describe it as a process through which parents, teachers, mental health professionals, and neurodivergent individuals go about modifying their environments in different ways to ensure success. So it, it, it's taking a look at what we're doing as an adult, what we're doing in the classroom environment to create a niche for, let's say, that outlier student. Every classroom has at least one. Our, our, our student population has evolved and broadened. Um, I've seen this in the works in a classroom last year where a student was highly aggressive, highly verbal, swearing, only in the second grade, and she created a niche for this child. She created an office for him, and it took coaching with her to tell her, worry about the academic second, because she was worried that he wasn't learning. Well, he's not ready to learn. You have to be regulated before you can be expected to do tasks. So in situations like that, it's creating that niche, like a mama bird making a nest for her eggs. And um, that's something I'm, I'm really passionate about and would love to do more PD with staff on. Speaking about professional development, um, what professional development do you think is most needed for our staff to be able to meet the needs of our student body right now? This is Janet again. And really every building has different level of background, experience, and needs. Just like our students are not cookie cutters, our buildings aren't cookie cutters either. So we really open our request for PD to the building admin to request the PD that they feel their staff needs. We have, and then we can adjust it to them and make it appropriate for their building. And it, that way it's not just a cookie cutter experience where you go out of it as a teacher and I've been in that experience where I've gone out of it and said why did I need this well by adjusting it for that building and and making it specific for that building we're able to alleviate that great and finally um, can you offer some practical tips or exercises that listeners can try on their own to improve their behavior mindset or well-being we have a, a list of ideas here, so we're just gonna ramble them off. Number one, put on your own oxygen mask first. Coffee. Uh, find a way to practice mindfulness daily, even if just for a short moment. Um, power walking is a great stress reliever. Ask for help, don't hide. Don't waste your time complaining. Focus on things that are productive. Thank you, ladies. Um, that actually reminded me of something I saw that talked about the grass is greener where you choose to water it. And mm -hmm. so people always talk about where you can find something and it's where we put our own time and value in. So, Well, ladies, I'd like to thank you for your time today. I appreciate you coming in and talking to me and sharing a little bit with our organization and our listeners what your jobs are and how you can help. You're very welcome. Thank you, thank so you. for having us. We are so excited to share these conversations with you on the podcast. Continue to subscribe and listen to us on all major podcast platforms. You can also find information about the podcast on our website, d47.org, and follow us on social to stay up to date when new episodes drop.